to talk about the topic of prayer. And I want you to make a decision today. I want to encourage you to make the decision today to be here for the next four weeks. I know lives are busy and sometimes there's conflicts of schedule on Sundays, but I want to challenge you to make it a priority and be here for the next four weeks. I believe prayer is absolutely essential to the Christian life, and I think God may want to do some good work in us and through us over the next four weeks. So uh, I look forward to kicking this off in just a minute. I also want to bring to your attention, uh, just before we bring our host team up, uh, that today you could drop off your backpacks. Remember the backpack attack that, uh, that Ben renamed the campaign, the backpack attack? Uh, if you have uh, taken one of those home last week, just a reminder, and you don't have it with you today, just a reminder, bring that back next Sunday uh, full of school supplies and drop it off in the lobby. And if you have not picked up one, we have well over 100 that we're still hoping that some of you will take today. And so on your way out today, uh, if you go outside these doors just out in the lobby um, over here against the wall, you can pick up a backpack, uh, take that home with you, fill it up with school supplies, and bring it back next week. Hey, we, uh, I want to invite our host team to come forward, and anytime we take up an offering here at Genesis, we want to celebrate the privilege to give back to the Lord, so let's celebrate that. So we are talking about prayer, and you know, today's message is going to be really uh, a very practical message. Um, I'm not going to try to persuade you or motivate you to, prayer this to pray this morning. I find most people, most Christian folks who've been walking with the Lord, uh, we know that we should pray, right? I find the challenge that most people uh, face when it comes to prayer is that we doubt how powerful and effective our prayers really are. You ever think about this? I mean, your prayer life, when it comes to prayer, do you, do you ever wonder, like, are my prayers really making a difference? Uh, is the Lord really hearing my prayers? Are my prayers lining up with what he's wanting to do? And so today, I'm going to show you some, I'm going to give you some practical instruction on how I believe you can experience a more powerful and effective prayer life. But I want to do more than that. As I prayed this week, I, I really believe that uh, more than just some practical instruction, that there are many of you sitting here this morning, and your heavenly Father is extending an invitation to you. And it's an invitation to come to him and to begin relationally connecting with him in the place of prayer. And maybe you pray, but I, I think the Lord is inviting you to come and take a further step. And he's asking you to grow and be more devoted and committed to applying prayer to your life. And so I really think that over the next four weeks, you're, some of you in this room are going to hear from the Lord, and you're going to make the decision to make prayer 
an essential activity of your life. But we're going to start today by looking in, uh, briefly looking at a story in Joshua chapter 6. And so if you have your Bibles or if you use a, a Bible app and you want to turn to Joshua chapter 6, that's where we're going to look. And if you were here a couple of weeks ago, you may remember we looked at the story of the Israelites as they stood on the brink of the promised land. Remember this? And they were standing on the brink of the promised land. They're about to enter. And God said, I'll give you the promised land. But they saw some obstacles in the land and they failed to trust the Lord. And they were overcome with fears. And they didn't trust the Lord in spite of their fears. And so they turned back. And they ended up wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. Well, eventually, as we mentioned, a new generation of Israelites grew up. And they did enter the promised land. And so when they entered the promised land, when they crossed the Jordan River, they came upon their first obstacle. And that obstacle is, is, uh, was the city of Jericho. Joshua 6 talks about the city of Jericho. Now, the city of Jericho was a small city. It was probably only about 12 acres in size. So we're talking about a small community. But it was an important community. It was an important city. Because it served, Jericho served as kind of a gateway that the Israelites had to go through Jericho in order to get into the promised land. And so when they came upon Jericho, here's what they would have found. They would have found what looked to be an enormous fortress, if you will. Because around Jericho were two walls. We believe there were likely two walls. One of the walls would have been a smaller wall, but it would have been about six feet thick. A second wall around this city would have been about 50 feet high. And so there's these two ginormous walls around the city. And the, as the Israelites come upon this city, they had to be thinking to themselves, Lord, how are we going to conquer this city and get through this community? Well, God led them there. He's got a plan. And so here's what God does. He gives them the plan. And here it is. He says, I want you to do this. I want you to take all your people and take your, your army and take your, take your people and I want you to march around the city. Some of you are familiar with this story, right? And I want you to march around the city. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to march around the city once a day for six days. Don't say anything. Don't do anything. Just kind of single file line, walk around the city once a day. Do that for six days. Now, on the seventh day, the Lord says to them, I want you to circle the city seven times. And this time, I also want you to blow some trumpets and blow some instruments and some horns and then shout really loud. And when you do this, uh, those giant, enormous walls, those, those, those walls were gonna, are going to collapse and, uh, and you can walk in and take the city. And the Israelites had to be like, seriously? Like, this is your plan? Like, you brought us all the way out of here and this is your game plan. But it was. And that's exactly what happened. And they marched around the city and the walls fell and the Israelites moved in and took the city. And it shows us an important lesson when it comes to prayer, and that's this, that our faith is not in our faithfulness, that we don't trust as Christians in our power. We trust in God's power. And so here in Joshua chapter 6, I think maybe one of the most important verses is found in verse 2, Joshua 6, 2. Let's look at it together. It says, then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. So God delivers Jericho just as he promised. He rescued the Israelites out of slavery and out of Egypt, and he gives them a home of their own. And the key phrase in this verse is this, See, 
I have delivered. So when it comes to the topic of prayer, one of the first things we need to address is this. Prayer is acknowledging our desperate dependence on God. If you've ever tried to live the Christian life in your own strength, in your own efforts, you'll find our efforts are futile. That when it comes to the Christian life, we live a life where we trust in God accomplishing his plans. And we trust in God's promises. And so in your notes, there's a note. One of our first lessons today is this. If you keep circling God's promises, he will deliver. If you keep circling God's promises, he will deliver. When the Israelites circled the city, they watched as God released his power to accomplish his plans. And God wants to release his power to accomplish his plans in our life. But how does he do that? God doesn't necessarily say to us he wants us to march around the city, but what's he want us to do? I believe he wants us to pray. Prayer releases the power of God in our lives. And this sermon series is going to be loosely based off a book called The Circle Maker, okay? Now, it's a book written by Mark Batterson. He's an author and a pastor up in Washington, D.C. You don't need to get the book in order to kind of follow along with us here on Sunday mornings. But if you're interested, it might be a good resource for you to pick up. But The Circle Maker is a story and is a title given to an old, eccentric old man named Honey. According to Jewish legend, Honey was a man who lived outside of Jerusalem in first century B.C. It was the generation just before Jesus. And it was a tough period of time for the Israelites because the Israelites were facing a severe drought. And this drought was devastating the land. And there were no crops, and the animals were dying, and without animals there was no food, and without food, people died. As legend has it, one day this eccentric old man named Honey decided it was time to do something. And so, with a six-foot staff in his hand, he stood and drew a circle in the dust around himself. And he cried out in prayer and told the Lord, I'm not moving from this circle until you send rain on your people, until you have mercy on us. And there he stood in the circle. He began to pray. And as he was praying, asking for rain, a crowd of people gathered around. And they began to watch Honey. And with bold faith, he just kept praying. And he stayed in that circle, and he kept praying. And the people watched and waited to see what would happen. And sure enough, it began to rain. Small water droplets fall from the sky, and Honey prays some more. And when Honey prays some more, it rains some more. And the people watched in awe as Honey's prayers released God's power, and he drenched the Israelites with rain. Now, Honey, his prayers ended the drought and essentially saved a generation of people. And while the, while the circle maker... Now, the story of Honey the Circle Maker is not in the Bible. It is a legend that still stands today in Jewish tradition. And it stands as an example of how prayer releases God's power into our lives. You know, prayer in its most simple form is a conversation with God. 
That's what Christianity is all about. Christianity is not about following a set of rules, although there are some rules. There are some boundaries that God sets up for us. Christianity is not about uh, living up to certain standard or expectations. Christianity, the heart of Christianity, is a relationship with a guy named Jesus who we believe is a real man who really lives today even though we can't see him with our own eyes. And prayer is the primary way in which we engage in conversation with him. And prayer basically has two objectives. One, to experience intimate fellowship and friendship with God. And two, to partner with God in bringing his kingdom and his power down here on earth. We get the joy and the privilege of being co-laborers with God in accomplishing his purposes and his plans in our lives and in the lives of those around us. But the key, the key to experiencing a powerful and effective prayer life is this. It's praying according to God's plans, not our own. It's praying according to God's plans. God releases power in our life for his plans. And so we want to pray according to God's will and according to God's plans. And the best way to do that is to pray God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word reveals God's plans for your life, my life. God's word reveals his plans for your marriage. God's word reveals his plans for your children. God's word reveals his plans for how he wants to transform your heart and your character. God's word reveals his plans for how he wants to use you to make an eternal difference in this world and in the lives of those around you. And so because we know that God's word reveals his plans, we can be confident that God honors scriptural prayers. That's in your notes if you're keeping track. God honors scriptural prayers. So, let's be a people, Genesis, who use the Bible to guide our prayers. When we use the Bible to guide our prayers, what we're essentially doing is we're aligning our hearts, our lives, our whole selves, our families, our marriages. When we use the Bible to guide our prayers, we are aligning ourselves with what God wants to accomplish. And when we do that, we're going to experience power. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything, but catch it, according to his will. According to his will, he hears us. So I want to encourage you today to evaluate your prayer life and ask yourself, are you praying according to God's will or your own? Using the Bible to guide our prayers will help us do this. Now listen, don't get me wrong. God welcomes all of our prayers. The Bible says that God says, bring all of your cares and concerns and cast them on me. God is a good dad. He's a good father. He wants you to bring all of your requests and your concerns to him. But when we bring requests that line up with his plans, we're going to experience a more effective and powerful prayer life. We're going to see God work in our lives in powerful ways. It's like this. If I had, I have a, you've heard me mention maybe that I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old little girl uh, named Sayla. When she comes to daddy and she makes a request of me, um, 
Well, most of the time I say yes because she's so adorable. But I'm working on that. My wife is reminding me. You can't say yes every time. So, but I'm more likely to say yes when Selah comes to me with a request that I know I already want to meet for her. And it's when she comes to me and asks me for something that uh, I'm already hoping to try to uh, accomplish in her life, then I'm more likely to say yes. Now, do I love when she comes with me with all requests? Yes, of course I do. And I love it because when she comes to me with any and all requests, it communicates to me that she knows I'm her dad and that I love her and that I care for her and that I'll provide for her. And maybe more than just the request itself, when she comes to me, it's an opportunity for us to relationally connect the same way in our relationship with God. God wants us to bring everything to him, bring our whole hearts. That song we sang just a few minutes ago says, bring your whole hearts to the Lord. But we'll experience a more powerful and effective prayer life if we pray according to his word. So here's the one point I want to make sure you go home with today, and it's this. I want you to use the Bible to guide your prayers. Now, I want every, I'm actually going to pause here for a moment. I would like everybody in the room to write this down. So find a pen, either in front of you. Uh, if you don't have a pen, maybe wait till the neighbor gets done. Some of you have never written a sermon note in your life, and this is an exciting day for you. This is an exciting moment. So we need to celebrate this, uh, that you're actually going to do this. And uh, yeah, we can applause. Let's, let's just applause those. There you go. We got some people writing a sermon note for the very first time. I want you to, I, I want you, I don't want anybody in the room to leave without having a worship program. Write it in a worship program. Write it on your hand. No one's exempt. I'm going to wait until everybody does. We're going to take some servers. They're going to walk through and make sure. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Write this down. If you will use the Bible to guide your prayers, I am fully confident God will change your life. You'll begin looking into God's word to guide your prayers. He will change your life. What are you hoping? How are you hoping your life is going to change in the coming weeks and months? What prayers are you praying right now? You want your marriage to change? You want to be a better spouse? Are you praying things like, Lord, help, help my marriage? Do you want to see... Uh, God, do something in your career. Are you praying things like, Lord, help me be successful. Give me wisdom and guidance on what to do in my career or which college or what to do with school. Are you single and you're thinking, Lord, you just keep praying, Lord, help me meet somebody. Maybe you're praying right now for your kids and you've got some concerns or you just you have young kids and you just are praying for them and so you're saying things like, Lord, please bless my kids and protect them. Maybe you're struggling with an area of sin in your life. And you keep asking the Lord, Lord, help me overcome this. Give me the strength. And that's a prayer you keep praying. Maybe you're struggling with some physical health and you're asking the Lord to heal your body. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're not even a Christian. Like you're not sure how you ended up here. Uh, or maybe you're just checking things out. Uh, somebody said to you, hey, come and, come and check out this church. And you're not even sure. Like you've never maybe even prayed before in your life. Maybe the prayer you're praying right now is, Lord, if you're real, would you show yourself to me? What prayers are you praying? Now, let me ask you this question. Have you stopped to look into God's word to see what he has to say about the prayers you're praying? Have you stopped to look into his word? See, the Bible isn't just a, 
a book of information or historical facts. It's not a book, just a book uh, that, that's full of a bunch of rules. The Bible is our conversational material with God. It's his spoken word. There is a person behind these words. I love to use the analogy. We, all, we live in a world now of text messaging and email, right? When you get a text message or you get an email and you read that text message on your phone or on your computer screen, what do you inherently know and you just take for granted? That there's a real person on the other side of that email. There's somebody who sent that text message. And that something about their text message or about their email to you, something about those words is communicating something about that person, a desire, uh, a request they're making of you. It, it, it communicates their priorities or their values when they talk to you. The same is true of God's word. This is his conversational material. And so when we use the Bible to guide our prayers, we're engaging in conversation with God. This is his word that he has spoken to us. And when we speak it back to him, we are engaging in a heavenly, eternal conversation with the God of the universe. So regardless of what you're praying right now in your life, I want to ask you, have you, you, have you opened the Bible to, ask, to see what does the Bible say about your prayers? Do your prayers line up with what God wants to accomplish in his, plan, in, in his plans for your life. Okay, so you may say, okay, you want me to use the Bible? We're going to turn the corner here. We're going to get really practical from this point forward, okay? You want me to use the Bible to guide my prayers? Great. I've never done that before. What's that look like? Well, it looks like a couple different things. First off, the Bible's full of scriptural truths that we can take any truth in the Bible that's true of God, that's true of his plans, that's true of us, any basic truth in the Bible, and we can turn it into a prayer. But the Bible is also, whether or not you know this, is full of actual prayers. And so when it comes to using the Bible to guide your prayers, I want to encourage you, I always encourage people, start by actually praying the prayers in the Bible. And so I'm going to give you today a few of the actual prayers that I pray in my personal life and how several years ago I started using the Bible to guide my prayers. The first prayer I want to show you today is found in Ephesians 1. I, I think you should write this down. I'm going, to write, I'm going to give you three different prayers, three different references. The first one is Ephesians 1, verse 16 and 17. Write that down. Here's what it says. I have not stopped giving thanks for you and remembering you in my prayers. He's praying. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing this letter to some fellow believers. Here's what he's praying for these fellow believers. He says, I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father. Who's he praying to? Praying to God the Father. Here's what he's asking. He says that he may give you, so he's saying, Lord, would you give them what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation. We'll talk about that in just a second. What's that? So that you may know him better. So the goal of Paul's prayer is this. He's praying for the fellow believers that they would come to know God better. Here's what this means. God, Paul is essentially praying for these believers, these brothers and sisters in Christ, and his primary prayer for them is that they would grow in their relationship with God. Listen, this is a God-inspired prayer. It's in the Bible it's a spirit-inspired prayer. God doesn't inspire prayers he doesn't intend to answer. You can pray this prayer, and you can, you can be sure that God wants to answer this prayer. So I pray this for fellow Christians. I pray this for, uh, I pray this for my family. I pray this for myself. I pray this for my wife. So here's what this looks like when I pray for my wife. I say, um, Father, 
give Paige, it's my wife's name, no I, by the way. I know it's not a misspelling. Uh, you're like, hey, they didn't, they left the I out. No, they didn't. Okay, Father, give Paige, hot stuff that she is, uh, the wish, she's not here at this service. Uh, <laughs> don't tell her I said that. Uh, I'll get here. Hold on. Father, give Paige the wisdom and revelation to know you better. It's a one-sentence prayer. I pray it all the time for Paige. Father, give Paige the wisdom and revelation that she'd know you better. Here's what that means. Father, help Paige to understand who you are. Help Paige understand that you're her heavenly Father. Help Paige understand that you love her unconditionally, that you care about her, that she's your daughter, that you see her as her, you see her as your daughter. Help Paige grow in her relationship with you. Help Paige grow more intimately dependent on you. Help Paige trust you more. I want to pray that God, as Paul prayed, would give wisdom and revelation. Wisdom and revelation basically means. We live in a physical world, but in order to understand and to gain spiritual insight, we need God to do that for us. Wisdom, revelation basically means that God would reveal himself. And so I pray, Lord, would you reveal yourself to Paige? Reveal how much you love her and what you think about her. Reveal how you feel about her. If our relationship with God is the most important thing about us, then shouldn't that be the number one thing we pray for people? Instead of praying for health issues, which we should pray for health issues, instead of praying for protection, which is actually very rarely actually mentioned in the Bible. We, we, the Bible speaks more of spiritual protection than physical protection. In America, we, in the church world, we pray all the time for physical protection. I'm not saying it's a bad prayer. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying if you look into Scripture, the Bible talks more about spiritual protection than physical protection. We need to stop worrying so much about physical protection and be more concerned with what's on God's heart, and that's our spiritual condition and our relationship with God. So number one, pray for people's relationship with, their, with, with God. You can pray this prayer for your kids. You can pray this prayer for your friends. You can pray this prayer for uh, the people in your connection group. I was praying this prayer yesterday. I was driving, uh, drove to, no, two days ago. I drove down to Louisville for a, a little bit of a day. I was driving down the road, and a couple different people came to mind as I'm driving down the road. And I, I used to think, oh, what do I pray for them? I used to, here's what I used to pray. You pray this, right? Lord, bless them. Okay, that's okay. That's a pretty big umbrella prayer. That's safe, right? I just like hold a big umbrella over them. Bless them. Well, okay, that's good. You want to experience more power? You want to see your prayers be more effective? Be more specific and pray the prayers in Scripture. Lord, would you help Chad? Give Chad the wisdom and revelation to know you better. Help him continue to grow in his relationship with you as he comes to mind as I'm driving down the road. Okay. When we start praying biblical prayers like this, we begin aligning our prayers with the prayers of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Did you know that in Romans, the Bible says in Romans that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are praying for us? each one of us, that Jesus, his role until he returns as he sits at the right hand of the Father is to pray on behalf of his people. He is the great intercessor, and so he's praying for you and me. What do you think Jesus is praying? My guess is he's praying the, the, the very prayers that he and his Holy Spirit inspired. 
So when we pray these prayers, we join with Jesus and the Holy Spirit in praying for ourselves and praying for others. That is powerful. That is a powerful and effective prayer life. And this is God's plan for everyone. And so we know that God wants to release his power to accomplish his plan. So pray this prayer. Ephesians 1, 16, 17. Let me give you a second one. Boy, we're in trouble if I'm going to try and make 30 minutes. This is, y'all just, we need to bring some lunch in. Order some pizzas. Um, <laughs> okay. Can you tell? I, I really believe this. Okay. Second passage. Psalm 86. Here we go. Here's the second one, Psalm 86, 11. This, I pray this prayer a ton. This is a powerful prayer. Once again, this is a prayer in Scripture. Uh, write this reference down, Psalm 86, 11. Here's what it says. Teach, this, is, uh, this is the psalmist he's writing, and it's a prayer he says. He's talking to the, his heavenly Father. He's talking to God. He says, teach me your way, Lord, that I rem- may rely on your faithfulness. That's the point of prayer, right? We're, our faith is in his faithfulness and in his power, not in our own that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me, here it is, an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I pray this all the time. I just, I shorten it and say, Lord, give me an undivided heart. Give me an undivided heart. I, pr- I hate to admit this. I pray this prayer for myself all the time. Do you know why? I got a divided heart. See, I want, I want to honor God with my life. I want to bring him an attention and bring him glory. But if I'm really honest, I want some attention. I want some glory. I mean, I want to accomplish God's plans. I want God's plans for my life. But the truth is, I know my heart. I've got some plans of my own. I'm trying to convince him to do mine, not his. I mean, I love him with all of my heart. And I, I, I want his kingdom to advance. But I sure do love myself, too. And I like advancing my agenda sometimes, too. The Bible says we're called to love God with all of our hearts. And so I pray, God, give me an undivided heart. May my heart not be divided, Lord. Help me to love you with all of my heart, Lord. Push everything out of my heart that divides my attention and my affection and my devotion to you. Pray this prayer for yourself. The Psalms are actually full of prayers. The Psalms themselves are uh, uh, full of prayers and songs. And so that's a great place to start. And if you really want to learn how to use the Bible to guide your prayers, start reading the Psalms if you've never read them. They're amazing. All right, let me, get, let me give you one more passage you could pray. John 15, 8. Write this down, John 15, 8. If you will pray these three prayers, I'm telling you, you'll see, you'll see God work. Uh, John 15, 8. Okay, this is Jesus speaking, all right? We love him, and we want to, we want to know what he has to say. Okay, so this is the last night he's with his disciples, and here's what he says. He says, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You may remember we talked about this in the Follow Me series a couple months ago. This is God's will for everybody's life. You want to know what God's will for your life is? Here it is, right here on the screen. Right here. This is God's will for your life. God's will is that you bear much fruit. Internal character, you become more like Christ. And external fruit, that you make a difference in people's lives. That God's God's plan for your life is that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be his disciple, a follower of Christ, so that you will bring God glory. Your life was meant to bring God glory. Now, is this a prayer? No, it's a statement of truth. So we can take it and turn it into a prayer. So here's what that might look like. Father, would you bear much fruit in me and through me so that my life will bring you glory? You start praying that prayer. You pray that prayer for a few weeks. You pray that prayer for a few months. I promise you, 
God is going to do some things in your life. He is going to bear some fruit. This is his plan. God releases power to accomplish his plans. Let's pray according to his plans. When we use the Bible to guide our prayers, they line up with his plans and his power is released. And we will begin to form Christ-like character. Our motivation and our desires will change. Our priorities will change. Our values will change. Fears will begin to diminish. The way we define success in life will be redefined. Prayer really does have the power to change us. I read a quote this week by uh, pastor and author Tim Keller. I love it. I think it sums up the point of why we want to use the Bible to guide our prayers, and it's this. Tim Keller said, um, he says, The basic purpose of prayer is not to bend God's will to mine, but to mold my will into his. I love that. Don't you like that? The basic purpose of prayer is not to bend God's will to mine, but to mold mine to his. Well, the best way for us to do that, the most practical way to do that, is to use the Bible to guide our prayers. So let me ask you, how do you need to use the Bible to guide your prayers today? Are you struggling with fear and insecurity? Maybe you need to pray Psalm 27.1, Lord, you are my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You're the stronghold of my life, Lord. Whom shall I be afraid? Maybe you're worn out. You're in a season where you're just worn down. And you got some circumstances going on in your life right now, and you're starting to lose hope. And you're just not sure what to do or where to turn. Maybe you need to pray Romans 15, 13. God, I trust you. Would you fill me with hope by the power of your Holy Spirit? It's a powerful prayer God wants to answer. Husbands, maybe you need to pray Colossians 3, 19. Lord, give me the strength to be gentle with my wife and not harsh with her. Maybe you need to pray 1 Thessalonians 3.13. Lord, strengthen my heart so that I would be blameless and holy before you, Lord. Get into God's word. Do some study. See what God has to say and begin using the Bible to guide your prayers. I'm going to give you another practical tool to help you experience the power of prayer. If you use this tool along with praying the word, you're you're going to experience a more powerful, effective prayer life. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to create a prayer list. Create a prayer list. You're like, what's a prayer list? Well, I first started a prayer list about six years ago. Then my prayer lists have changed over the years. I edit them, and uh, I, I have fun with them. I just use different things, uh, whatever. My very first prayer list, this was my very first one. I'd done it on a computer. I took a half sheet of paper and, and folded it in half. I like it to fit right in my Bible or, or my journal. And uh, here was my very first prayer list, and here's what I did. I just had like four or five categories. I put God and Paganized Marriage, and then me, and then my wife, and then our future kids. This was back before we had kids. And, um, and then I just started filling up the categories on the list of just passages. And so when I would study the Bible, read the Bible, and it came across a passage that spoke to my marriage or spoke to something about my relationship with God, I'd take that passage and go pop it on that list. Now I had a list where I keep coming back and I begin praying those. I had another list. Uh, back in 2012, I did a top 10. How do you like that? That's cool. I don't know if you've ever tried this. Try this. This is a good one. This is probably the most simple way to start is to start like a top 10 list. Um, and so I started this in January of 2012 and prayed it all year, these same 10 prayers. And so number one was, uh, Lord, help me to be a man of one thing. That comes out of Psalm 27.4. David said, I'm a man of one thing. I'm going to pursue God. I prayed that over and over again. I prayed for Paige uh, in our marriage. I prayed that I would treat her with gentleness and respect, that heart, that Colossians 3.19. I prayed for my daughter, Selah, and that her greatest desire would be Jesus. I prayed Psalm, uh, Isaiah 26.8 for her. I prayed for salvation 
for a few people in my life that don't know Jesus. And I wrote down scriptures that have talked about how God wants to bring them to salvation and know. And so I wrote those verses down. And when I'd get to them, I'd, I'd pray that. Write a prayer list. Create a prayer list. I don't care what you do. I got one now. My, I'm, re, I'm reshaping mine right now. It's like two pages long. <laughs> so they grow as the years go by. But maybe you, use, maybe, you use a, maybe you create a list on your iPhone or your smartphone or your iPad. Or maybe you like to use a journal. Maybe you've thought about using a journal. I use a prayer journal. I actually keep my prayer list in my journal and, and kind of create, uh, use both of those together. Here's how simple this is. I, want to show, I, want, I literally want you to show you. I want to show you this. This is how simple it is. You create a list. Like, go do this. Like, if you don't do this, if you haven't done this, go do it. It's so simple. Look, number one, on top of the page, yourself. Uh, put a couple passages of Scripture. You could pray those three passages I gave you, Ephesians and Psalm and John 15, 8, right next to yourself. You could pray for your spouse or maybe your future spouse. You could pray for some non-Christian friends. You could pray for maybe you put an issue, uh, an area of concern in your life uh, that you're facing or an area of sin. Put it on the list. Put passages of Scripture. Look up what the Bible says about those categories. Write down what those, uh, those verses and those references. And then find some time in your week. And when you sit down to pray, you pull out your list. Let me, let me, give, you, let me give you three quick reasons why it's important to create a prayer list. Number one, it helps you focus your prayers. Helps you focus. Have you ever, ever experienced this? You ever sit down to pray and like your mind just immediately starts wondering, how many? Raise your hand if you ever experienced that, right? We all do. You sit down, you're like, what am I supposed to pray? Well, first you sit down, you're like, your mind starts wandering, and you're like, you start thinking about the grocery and the bills, and, and then you think, you know, I can't believe she said that to me last night. That's so frustrating. I can't, I'm gonna, uh. You know, like your mind goes all these different places. What's a prayer list do? Helps you focus. Listen. It, you, you may think it's unspiritual. What you're doing by creating a prayer list is you're saying, Lord, I'm so, I need your help so much, I need a list to help me, right? So it helps you focus your prayers. Number two, helps you prioritize your prayers. You ever make a to-do list at home or maybe you make a to-do list at work and uh, you sit down, you make the to-do list, and then when you get done with the to-do list, it's like so long, you're like, there's no possible way I can get to all of these items today. Or I can't even get to all of these items on my to-do list this week. And you get overwhelmed, right? And then what do you do? You, if you're like me, you star like the three or four things that got to get done. Or you underline or you circle the, the three or four things on the to-do list that you got to get done today or got to get done this week. It's the same way when it comes to prayer. Folks, you know, I know, we know. Look, the, aren't, aren't the prayer concerns endless I mean, it doesn't feel like there's just like an ocean of prayer requests that we could be praying. And I don't know if it's about you, but when I think about that, I get overwhelmed and it paralyzes me and I end up not praying about anything because I don't know what to pray about. Well, a prayer list will help you focus and prioritize your prayers and say, these are the three or four things I must pray. I must pray for myself. Nobody else is going to pray for me. I need to make sure other, well, let me rephrase that. Other people may pray for me, but I have to make sure I'm praying for myself. I need to pray for my spouse or my family and my kids. I need to pray for a few of those non-Christian things. I mean, there's a few things that you must pray for. Number three, it helps you remember your prayers. The worship band's gonna come out here in just a minute. We're gonna wrap this up. A prayer list helps you remember your prayers. Helps you remember what you've been praying. Helps you remember what's important. And it not only helps me remember what's important in my prayer life, a prayer list helps me remember what's important in life. There's so many times early on in my prayer life when I'd sit down, I wouldn't know what to pray or how to pray, 
And I would just sit there and I'd waste time. You do the same thing too. We're, let's just all admit it. We just sit down and we're like, well, Lord, bless people, bless me, bless my kids. That's okay. God loves it. God loves the effort. He loves the intention. But God would also love us to put as much effort in our prayer life, in our relationship with him, as we do in our exercise life or in our gardening or in our hobby. God says you spend all that, all those time, all that time and all that energy and all that effort on all those other things. What, do you, what kind of effort and energy and intentionality are you putting into your prayer life? What kind of effort and intentionality are you putting into your relationship with me? Make him the number one priority in your life. Be intentional. This is just tools. He loves you. He wants, he's not angry with you. I'm, I get angry. He's not angry with you. He's not angry. What he wants is he wants you, he's like saying, please come. Come, make some effort. Put some, put some tools in place in your life so that you can grow in the place of prayer. If you want to experience a more powerful and effective prayer life, create a prayer list and use the Bible to guide your prayers. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen when some of you start doing this. Some of you are this week are going to go home and you're going to create your first ever prayer list. And that's exciting. It makes me smile. I get goosebumps. I'm like, yes, I'm going to do this. Some of you are going to do that. And you're going to go and you're going to create your first ever prayer list and you're going to start using it. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Your life is going to change. It's not going to change immediately. But over the coming weeks and over the coming months and over the next couple of years, your life is slowly going to change and your marriage is going to change. And your family is going to change. And your priorities are going to change. And you're going to see your workplace differently. And you're going to see your neighborhood differently. And you're going to see God differently. You're going to see yourself differently. You're going to see people differently. And as each one of us do that, guess what else is going to change? Genesis Church is going to change. Genesis Church is going to become a praying church. And as we become a praying church, you know what else is going to change? Noblesville is going to change. And Carmel is going to change. And Fishers is going to change. And Westfield is going to change. And Hamilton County is going to change because God is waiting for a people to come to him and to partner with him in bringing his kingdom come and his will be done here in our world. And we're going to see a movement of God in the next couple of years because I know right now some of you are sitting here and your heart is stirred. And it's not me being persuasive. It's God, your Father, who's extending the invitation to you. He's saying, come and pray and watch what I do. We're going to close today by praying. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the reminder this week even as I prepared that you invite me to come and connect with you in the place of prayer. God, I truly believe, Father, that you are tapping some people on the shoulder in this room. You're stirring in their heart. They hear your voice saying, come, meet me in the place of prayer. I pray, Father, for them. I pray, God, that you would give them the strength to obey. I pray, Father, that you would release the Holy Spirit in their hearts, that you would give them wisdom and revelation to know you better. I pray that some people in this room today would begin down the path of having an undivided heart that would be fully devoted to you, that would love you and trust you with all of their heart. I pray, Lord, John 15, 8, God, 
I pray, Father, that you would bear much fruit in us and through us as individuals and families and as a church, God, because we want our lives to bring you glory, Jesus. We want our lives to bring you honor. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.